Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. You are at the FreightWaves podcast that talks about oil and diesel, the lifeblood of moving those trucks and trains and planes. And that oil needs to be obtained from drilling, so that's why we call the podcast Drilling Deep. We also have our guest of the week. This week, we'll be talking to Jared Moore of Alabama Motor Express. His company recently added a terminal in the Atlanta area, and he's going to speak to us about the process that goes into making a decision to expand like that, which is not an easy one, and it takes a long time to actually finally get to yes or no. There's not that much to say about diesel prices now, except, uh, oh, well, uh, based on the DOE price that is used for surcharges, they haven't been as high as their current level since 2014. The latest number that was posted this past Monday is $3.40.6. It was last seen at that level in the fall of 2014. Fall is a key word here because that is what the price of oil was doing back in 2014. It was falling from its $100 per barrel level for crude on its way to bottoming out in early 2016. And then, of course, we had another bottom that came last year from the pandemic. And now it's as if that falling market from 2014 and the rising market of 2021 have finally crossed paths. So it's been a long time since we've been around these parts. Let's talk about a few other things in oil. First of all, the import crunch that is keeping all sorts of products from reaching consumers is not an issue in oil. The system of imports and ports is separate for oil from those that take in containers and dry bulk, and it's working fine. The Department of Energy comes out weekly with a statistical report, and I can tell you that the figure on total petroleum imports this week, you know, this this week's report referencing last week's numbers, it was the highest in about two months. There is no issue there. Don't assume that because you can't get Christmas toys in on time that you are going to be having problems getting in oil. Second, those of you who track the price of oil should be keeping your eye on the natural gas crunch in Europe. The issue for diesel consumers here in the U.S., is that if electricity can't be generated by adequate supplies of natural gas, it's going to be generated by something. Leaders will not let the lights go out. So there are peaking units that can be brought into use that use diesel fuel to produce electricity. This is not a particularly efficient way of using diesel. You're far better off using it as a transportation fuel than a generating fuel. But it doesn't matter when your citizens are screaming about a lack of electricity and winter is coming. So it is possible that you'll see diesel use diverted to power generation in the coming months if the natural gas squeeze in Europe does not ease. The first steps of an easing in that problem have occurred, although it's not pretty. Companies that produce products that use a lot of natural gas in their manufacturing have cut back operations, or in some cases just shut it right down. Fertilizer production is a good case of that, a good example of that. So yes, natural gas consumption falls with those sorts of decisions, but unfortunately, people lose their job. If those sorts of things aren't adequate, those sorts of cutbacks aren't adequate, then maybe you have to turn to diesel consumption to generate electricity. And that is not good use. That is not good news. That is not good news for diesel users. One thing to watch for in the coming days, the OPEC Plus Group is meeting the week of October 3rd. It's likely to agree to implement another month of its arrangements to add 400,000 barrels per day of output in November. The world is certainly signaling that it is needed. Brent is the world's crude benchmark, and it hit $80 per barrel for the first time in three years this past week. We will shift gears here on Drilling Deep, and we're going to talk about a company's decision to grow. I mean, that should sound like a no-brainer, right? What company doesn't want to grow? 
But determining to grow always comes at a cost, and a cost-benefit analysis is always needed. It's particularly important when you talk about a truckload carrier and a decision to open up a new terminal. Now, unlike the LTL field, where adding terminals is absolutely vital for growth, the physical footprint of truckload carriers is a bit more tricky. It's a business where terminals are important, but it's not as much as a key factor as it is in LTL. So recently, I got a press release, an announcement from Alabama Express. They recently took that big leap. They added a second terminal in Atlanta. Jared Moore is vice president of traffic and logistics at AMX, as it is known. And he's here today on Drilling Deep to talk about the expansion, but also to talk about what the process is for making a big decision like the one that they did to add Atlanta. So, Jared, welcome to Drilling Deep. Uh, good morning. Thank you. And thank you for having me on and uh, letting me tell a little bit, a little bit about, about AMX this morning. Well, let's start with that. Tell me about AMX and tell me about what you do there. Yeah. So um, joined the company in 2013, um, started their brokerage division, actually, and spent uh, seven seven years in that division. And over the last couple of years, kind of migrated over more towards some asset face strategy positions. And um, what I do now is I kind of, you know, run the strategy of how we um, maintain our accounts, grow our accounts, and also grow our forward strategy with our assets uh, in combination with our logistics growth on the back end. So we've been able to grow our logistics and then through that growth, actually add some features to our asset company, such as our new terminal and also our, um, we purchased a reefer division um, two years ago as well. Oh, so that's a major expansion right there. So how many tractors do you have? Uh, 213 right now. And I will say we only have about six empty today. Oh, that's very good. That is a very good record we're, right now. We're proud and of that. I mean, essentially, you're you're about as close to 100% seated as you can be without being 100% seated. Absolutely. So that's, that's terrific. Yeah. So so let's talk about the new terminal. As I said, what, what really intrigued me was just the whole decision-making process of adding one. We get we get announcements here at Freightways about LTL carriers expanding all the time. And, you know, we publish them, we write them up, but they're not quite as interesting as when a truckload carrier adds a terminal, which is, uh, it's a very asset. I mean, a, a truckload carrier by definition is asset heavy. And when you add a terminal, you're really, you're even more asset heavy. Exactly. So you told me that you were involved in the decision to add this. When did the deliberations or when did the process start, at which ultimately became to, to be your, your new Atlanta terminal? It probably started late 18, early 19. Um, some of it got slowed due to the COVID. So, um, you know, building building out a new place took a lot longer than we anticipated. Um, but, you know, we looked at how can we improve the brand of AMX, um, hire more drivers, um, service more customers and service our current customers better. Um, and also, of course, adding these multimodal features to our company. How can we enhance that as well? So the... Uh, process kind of came along with the acquisition of the reefer division had nothing to do with that necessarily but it, it kind of made sense to expand our footprint and and that's kind of how we, we we started the conversation um and, and it kind of just it blossomed from there like i said it, it, it took much longer than we thought due to permits and, and and building and things like that yeah now how many how many terminals did you have going into this so our corporate office is in ashford and that's our only trucking terminal um, we have a logistics location in Savannah, North Atlanta, and Greensboro, but um, our only true trucking terminal is in is in Ashford, Alabama, in Dothan, Alabama. Right. So, I mean, that really shows how big a decision it is. You, you essentially doubled the number of terminals in the company. Right. So, uh, you, you talked about the permits being slowed. Was that just uh, the local area in Atlanta that was a, a tough process? 
Correct. Well, so this, you know, this wasn't even a location before we, we got there. It was just land. Um, there's uh, a river on the back end of the property. When you have diesel engines involved in that, there's a lot of permits to go into that um, for environmental reasons, obviously. Um, you know, building over the last two years, you know, the complications of that and, and, and just getting everything, um, you know, set up in that process was it, it took a long time. And what was the plan when you said, well, let's let's have a second terminal? You said, let's have a second terminal because what was what, what, what did you plan on doing with it? Right. So, you know, 30 year old trucking company, a lot of business in the Atlanta market. You know, we felt like we could we could move freight smarter by having a, a terminal there. Uh, I-75 is, is just right off I-75. So connection to Florida, um, connection to the, our northern bound trucks. So it gave us kind of a switch yard. Um, as I mentioned, the multimodal offerings as well. I mean, we can we can store our reefer trailers there and our drive vans in a secure yard and not have to worry about, you know, being at a truck stop. Um, and of course, also work-life balance for drivers. I mean, we're hiring drivers who want to get home every weekend. So not all of our drivers live in Dothan, Alabama. It's a small town. We can now add drivers in the Atlanta market, which we have. You know, they get to get through the house more often, and, and it gives them a little bit more of a, you know, a family feel for themselves as well. But you are a 48-state truckload carrier, right? But you do, you so you do serve all 48 states. But but is most of your business regionally, or most of your drivers home every night, or are they are they out multiple days on the road? So we have three or four different driver, you know, characteristics, I guess you'd call it, um, roles. Um, we have a regional fleet that's home every week, every weekend. We have the, we call it our super regional fleet because over the road has been kind of a bad term these days. But those guys go out, you know, two and three weeks at a time. And then we do have local and, and more dedicated drivers that get home, you know, if it's not daily, every other day. Um, and that just depends on the business. But, you know, that is something, obviously being in Atlanta, there's a lot of dedicated opportunities uh, we're working on a couple right now that, that really excite us. And that's that's something where we can hire a driver. He can come in and do his his shift and he gets to go home and see his, you know, his kid play baseball. Yeah, that was that was notable in your announcement about it, that you you focused in on dedicated. So the idea here is that a lot of this what this new terminal is going to serve will be dedicated services, right? We anticipate that. I mean, we we didn't we didn't get the terminal just to keep doing exactly what we're doing. Um, you know, obviously in Dothan, Alabama, it's not a big manufacturing hub or freight hub, so there's not a ton of dedicated stuff in that region. Um, so once again, Atlanta being one of the biggest freight hubs in the country, uh, we 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 do anticipate that being our core focus. Yeah, I noticed that you you talked in the uh, in your announcement about a secure, highly monitored yard, and I. You know, that's great. I mean, it's good to be secure and, and highly monitored. But I guess I was kind of struck by that that was one of the things you touted. And uh, it, how, why is that so particularly important in, uh, in saying, well, th- we've got a great facility here and here's one of the reasons why? Well, first and foremost, you know how much insurance costs trucking companies, right? So uh, something gets stolen off a truck, it's usually going to come out of our pocket. Um, secondly, for our customers' sake, I mean, we have a lot of customers that need to know um, when a, when a trailer is stored over the weekend, exactly where it's stored and that it's in a safe and secure spot. And we're able to give them, of course, that information because it's, it's our location. And, and of course, for the drivers as well, you know, we, we don't want them having to park at truck stops and, and necessarily, you know, deal with some of the things that might go on there. So um, we are very close to two large truck stops. They're just about half a mile down the road. So we've got a good fuel deal and maintenance deal with, with those guys. But, you know, they can come and park in our yard and, 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 and feel a little bit safer there if they're going to spend the night. I mean, so so would would would, comp, would trucks other than Alabama Motor Express use that yard to park? No, not at all. Okay, I was I wouldn't want to make I didn't think so. No. I just wanted to check. 
So let's talk about what the considerations you gave to the to hiring enough drivers. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to do this, you're going to need more people behind the wheel. Now, you told right. me before we started here, or you told me at the start here that, you know, you're really well seated. You took today as an example. I have no reason to believe that today is that different from any other day. Mm-hmm. But were there times during the process to add, when you were talking about adding this where you thought, are we really going to have enough drivers to make this thing work? I think if you've been in trucking any time at all, that's always your major concern. So um, I'm an optimist. So, you know, I I believe that, you know, whether you have 200 trucks or 300 trucks, you're probably always going to have 10, 15 empty on most days. Uh, When you get below that, of course, you celebrate those days. But, um, you know, we felt like going towards a dedicated model, changing up the footprint of that, you know, drivers are more inclined to want those jobs for obvious reasons. Um, so we felt like adding, you know, 35 to 60 trucks in this market um, in, a, in a 12 to 18 month time frame, it was, is very doable. Now we've had 35 trucks ordered for the last six months and don't have one on our yard yet yeah. <laughs> because of production problems. But, you know, assuming that was, <laughs> working the way it's supposed to, I think we would probably already have, we would hope to already have, you know, quite a few. We've already hired uh, eight drivers in that, in that office, in that, for that terminal. Um, And we do anticipate adding, you know, 40 to 60 um, in two years, if we can get trucks. Right. But that's right. Your problem is not people, your problem is equipment, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Is there any kind of formula for a truckload carrier? If you have X number of tractors and you should have X number of terminals, I mean, it sounds to me like that was not necessarily the consideration here because you were looking at doing new business, a new, you know, a new type of business, a lot of dedicated work in a major metropolitan area. So it doesn't sound like any kind of formula was at work there, but maybe you could talk about some of those considerations. Sure. Um, I think we, as a company, I think we, we've begun to feel a little bit hemmed in, in in Dothan as far as the manufacturing options that are there. Um, you know, 20 years ago, uh, 30 years ago, Dothan had quite a few uh, large manufacturers. Um, not as, not as many today. So strategically, we felt like let's go somewhere where we're not hemmed in by geography. And, and, and that was a big consideration. Um, as far as just having a terminal, um, for the sake of having one, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't about that. Um, it was, can we grow this, you know, overall small step forward? Can we turn it into something bigger, you know, um, and, and, and how does that work? And if it does work, you know, can we replicate that down the road potentially? It's it's, it's something that you, you kind of think about as, as a carrier. We don't feel like we can grow past 200 trucks if we're only in Ashford, Alabama. So if we want to grow to 250, 300 trucks, whatever that number is, we do feel like strategically we will have to be in a different market um, or potentially another market down the road. We you know Those, those considerations would, would obviously come if this is successful. Interesting. Um, you know, the whenever an LTL carrier adds a terminal, they always cite last mile mm-hmm. uh, opportunities in the last mile. Is that a factor at all here? Not really. Um, you know, the dedicated portion of the business might add multi-drop, you know, kind of last mile stuff in, in, in the truckload arena. But most of what we're going to do and focus on is the full truckload, you know, one pick, one drop manufacturer to you know, DC or manufacturer to manufacturer type deliveries. Um, we, we don't really do last mile type, type stuff at all. Yeah. How long before you would declare this a success? Now, obviously that's going to be slowed if you can't get the trucks going in there. So sure. whatever kind of timeline you, you, you probably had at the beginning saying, well, we'll know that we've got success by such and such a date. I imagine that date has now been pushed out. 
Absolutely. I mean, our, our first goal is to get to 10 trucks, 10 drivers. Um, I think we'll be at eight if the, if the ones come through orientation next week. Um, I've hired a, a really a really sharp guy there. Uh, William Holiday is his name, and he's going to be he's already running and planning the, the freight in the terminal. Um, as we add about every 10 trucks, we're going to add driver managers. So we'd be looking to hire a person to work with him in the office. Um, so that will be a success that we'll grade on. And if we hit that by, by the end of October, you know, we'll be, we'll be really excited about that. And I, and I think we will. Um, and that's really only about three full months of being fully operational. So if I can add 10 trucks every three months, 10 drivers every three months in this, in this market for, for, uh, for equipment, um, that will be a success. You know, I mentioned we'd like to be at 40 to 60. Um, so, you know, that, that wouldn't be, but one year's worth of time. Very good. So let's, let's kind of shift to the broader market. You're right down there on the front lines. Uh, you ran the brokerage division at AMX for a long time. You ever seen a market like this? <laughs> never, never. Um, you know, it's got its good and bad points. I mean, I think when things get so unpredictable, we know that shippers get, get nervous and crazy, but you know, carriers do too, because carriers do want to capitalize on profitability when they can. They don't want to gouge customers and, and, and ruin relationships. Um, that being said, the cost of quote unquote, everything is, is changing and going up. Um, we are paying drivers substantially more this year than we, than we have before. And we probably, you know, that's probably not going to stop happening uh, according to the industry experts. Um, so, you know, we're just trying to add customers in, in a smart way when we do add customers that, so we can take care of their business and, of course, not burn bridges and or, you know, ruin longstanding relationships with, with incumbent customers as well. But, you know, it's it's definitely it has its challenges in every every area you look. You look. So having hired some drivers recently, do you have any tips for other companies trying to hire drivers? Do you feel like you've been successful or? Uh, was was it just a maddening process that involved a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of work, and then voila, success, we hired one? Well, so it's it's always a lot of work, yes. I mean, some years, uh, a couple of years ago, I believe we brought 180 drivers through AMX, and in, in, in whether it's one year or 14 months, it, it was a lot. Um, now that we're, we're, we're fairly well seated, you know, we're, we're kind of getting a lot more um, intentional about who we hire and what kind of roles we're hiring for. So our our marketing and our ads and our recruiting are, are a little more, um, you know, honed in on, on a few roles that does make it easier because, you know, it's not like you're calling 200 drivers a day asking if they want a new job. So, you know, our marketing is, is a lot more direct and the inbound uh, leads and activity we get from that typically is a shorter sales cycle. Um, you know, the driver saw something that really caught his attention and and he wants to work for, for a company that has that role. So um, that's helped us hire for those roles. And, and that's been a little bit more successful. Um, if we had 20 empty trucks or 30 empty trucks, we'd be doing it. The ground and pound call 200 people a day, you know, let's get some people in here to pick up the phone and dial with our recruiters and, and everybody, everybody pitch in and help out. All right. Has there been any discussion in AMX about yet another terminal somewhere? I mean, I know you've got a, a lot to digest now, sure. but uh, when you, you know, you've, you've done two big expansion deals in the past couple of years, you did the reefer deal that you mentioned. Now you've got this second terminal. What would it take to add a third terminal? What sort of considerations would be there? I think, um, you know, I think we want to grade ourselves definitely after two years um, and, and see where we stand with this one. I mean, it's not a, a two year window to open a new one, but I think we want to really say, you know, what did we learn? Um, can it be replicated somewhere else? And, and do we even know where that place is? Um, you know, 
we're fortunate. We have a logistics office in Savannah. We have a logistics office in Greensboro, North Carolina. Two great freight networks, by the way, as well. So obviously, you know, if something were to materialize, you know, that that would probably be a, a, those would be the places we would look first. Um, but but the goal is to really grade the success here. Can we get to 40 to 60 drivers? Can we get business that's unique and, and a little bit different than what we're doing before that, that may be more dedicated and, and, and longer term? And, and, and can we prove that that business is profitable and, the, and this terminal is profitable overall? Um, and and we, if we check off those boxes, then I think the, the answer is absolutely yes. We'd, we'd be looking to try to do it again. Do you see any signs that the market might be nearing a peak? Um, boy, uh, <laughs> I was at the uh, McLeod User Conference last week listening to a lot of people speak about it. Um, I, I try to follow a little bit of everything. Um, I've heard customers tell me that rates are going to decrease next year. I've heard... Um, Schneider and Werner predict 10 plus percent increase. So, I, you know, I don't I don't know. Um, I, I, I think things will get crazy if certain factors happen. Uh, a, a big produce season, storms, um, you know, anything, you know, it's held together by rubber bands and duct tape right now. So any little thing that goes wrong um, in the supply chain you see has a major impact across the nation. So. Um, I don't think it's maybe it plains out, but but once again, if one or two things happen that are that are negative for the supply chain, you're you're back to where we were, uh, you know, in 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 the early summer. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I've been with Freightways now about three and a half years, and uh, so and coming out of other fields, but it's been interesting how the media has picked up on supply chain as a as a key story, and mm-hmm. I, I think you've got to be kind of uh, willfully ignorant to un- to not know, you don't have to be in the supply chain, but to not know that there are real problems this year. It's been covered pretty thoroughly. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, here's, here's the big, here's the big question. I mean, when is equipment going to be available for new drivers to, to get in the industry? Right. So that's, that's kind of hemming us in right now. Um, a lot of companies would love to grow right now, but you know, a used truck that might've cost $55,000, you know, two years ago will cost you $85,000 now. So Companies aren't don't really have the stomach for spending that kind of money uh, for used equipment, and of course, new equipment's virtually unavailable. Um, you know, so the usual things that happen in supply chain are the industry, you know, gets gets lucrative for drivers, and they they go buy their trucks and they and they drive on their own, and then it kind of filters back down to not as lucrative, and they go hop out of the truck and do something else. Well, that's not happening right now because nobody can get the trucks. Right. Yeah. Well, I leased a new car in January, and boy, am I glad I did. I'm not going for it now. Lucky you. Absolutely. Yeah. So we want to thank Jared Moore, the Vice President of Traffic and Logistics at AMX, for joining us today on Drilling Deep. He's been talking about their new Atlanta Service Center. Uh, You you don't call it a service center, you really call it a terminal, right, Jared? That's right. That's right. Okay. So anyway, uh, Jared, thanks for joining us today. I enjoyed it. Thank you. So you have been listening to Drilling Deep. We are part of the FreightCast family of podcasts from FreightWaves. You can find us on all the leading podcast platforms. I'm your host, John Kingston, and please join us again. Mm-hmm.